www.positivelivingchurch.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. You know, I always say that it's an honor and pleasure to be on Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical strategies and positive solutions to help you live the kind of life that you want. And we've been on the air. We're in year number six right here, and I have a show also on terrestrial radio. And I really believe in positive living, and we have incredible guests that will help you to transform your lives. We're pre-recorded today, so you won't be calling in, but we'll give you the information. My special guest today is Phyllis Kosminski, and we are talking about grief and when grief comes home for the holidays. Phyllis Kosminski, Ph.D., is a clinical social worker specializing in grief and loss. Besides her own private practice, she's served for 10 years on the staff of the Center of Hope, a treatment facility in Connecticut for people dealing with bereavement or life-threatening illness. Welcome, Phyllis. Hello, Patricia. Thank you for having me. We're talking about your new book, Uh Getting Back to Life When Grief Won't Heal. Okay, so if grief won't heal, we are talking about very dramatic situations like the loss of a child, the loss of uh, a parent when you're young, unexpected deaths or um, accidents that leave a person quadriplegic or paraplegic, or divorce that totally devastates you. Would you say all of those above? Well, I I certainly would say that all of those are examples of situations in which people would be likely to have difficulty recovering from their grief. But at the same time, I would say that there are some other, maybe less dramatic situations as well, where people would have trouble recovering from grief. And a lot of those are the ones I, I talk about in the book, along with what you just mentioned. For example taking care of an aging parent uh, might not seem to a lot of people to be a traumatic experience, but anybody who's been in that situation knows that if you, you know, if you do take care of somebody who's ill for a period of time, it can be very difficult when the person dies to get over your grief. So a lot of the situations are dramatic, but some of them, you know, are experienced by quite a number of people. Right. And I understand that I have a I have a situation with my mom who has dementia, and I think when you go through mental challenges like that, when you've kind of lost the person that you have, absolutely. that's extremely challenging. That's absolutely it is extremely challenging. That's exactly what I'm talking about, and I think that you know I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of times people who are in a caregiving role, when the person who they they've been taking care of gets to this point, it's, it's, it's frustrating and it can be difficult to keep your, your to, to be as patient and as giving all the time as you want to be. So, so the caregiver you know. is just as stressed as anybody. Exactly, exactly. And just as stressed and can often, people can often be, you know, very hard on themselves in these situations because, you know, we, we think we're supposed to be, you know, always patient, always giving, always yeah. kind. 
And, you know, sometimes it's hard to sustain that. So, yeah, yes. that can be very difficult. Too. Well, in your research, according to a landmark study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine, mm-hmm. this is what it says. Unrecognized, unprocessed, and untreated grief creates considerable anguish and leads to functional impairment, mm-hmm. decreased productivity, strained relationships, depression, and an increased risk of suicide. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting because more and more about this is coming out. And basically what it is is that, you know, if you have feelings that are unrecognized and unexpressed about a loss, those feelings can really interfere with your desire to form new relationships, your willingness to form new relationships. And so um, the consequences of that are emotional, and then they're also physical. People develop a range of physical symptoms that they don't really understand. Why, you know, why am I so tired? Why am mm-hmm. I, do you know what I'm saying? Why don't, do I not want to get out of bed? Why do I have these aches and pains and stomach problems? And it's astonishing to me, really, to see how often it's because of some unresolved loss that they're, you know, that they're still car- really just carrying around with mm-hmm. them. It affects yeah. the body. Yeah, it really does. And one of the things you write about is that grief is an unavoidable consequence of the loss of connection so that we need to be gentle with ourselves. Well, I think that, you know, I know that that you've been on the planet for more than a few years, and so have I. And I think that when you've lived for any length of time, you recognize that one of the prices that we pay for the relationships that we have, for the love that we share with people in our lives is that, when those people, when we lose those people, we're going to feel that pain of separation. It's it's part of loving, you know. That pain of loss is mm-hmm. part of loving, and so that's why we need to learn to to live with it and to deal with it. And one of the things I say in the book too is that we're made to deal with it. You know, as human beings, we are built to survive this kind of loss. Because let's face it, if we couldn't survive this kind of loss, we couldn't survive as human beings. Yeah, so, very interesting. No, you write that healthy mourning is about coming to terms with the truth. What do yes. you mean by that? That's something I feel very strongly. And that is, what, what I mean by that is that a lot of what gets in the way of people recovering from loss, and I'm, when I say loss, I don't just mean the, the loss of a loved one, but the loss of health, the loss of youth, various kinds of losses. A lot of what gets in the way of people recovering from loss is an inability or an unwillingness to deal with some aspect of the truth. So, for example, you might be unable to deal with the truth that someone is gone. And I work with people who really have not been able to get their minds wrapped around the reality that the person is gone. Then I have a lot of people who are unable to deal with the reality that not all of the feelings they have about the person who died are positive. You know, relationships, people aren't perfect, our relationships aren't perfect, and, you know, we end up with feelings of frustration and anger and disappointment. And if you can't acknowledge that those feelings are there, that's another reason why people very often get stuck in grief. And I, and I talk about why that is in the book. But basically what happens is people have an emotion that they feel they shouldn't have. I'm angry at him, but I shouldn't be angry at him right. because he's dead. But I am angry at him, but I shouldn't be angry at him. So they go back and forth and back and forth. And I think you can see how if you're in that kind of, you know, if you're in that kind of uh, situation, it makes it very hard for you to move forward. Yeah. Cause Rather than saying this is how it is. Exactly. He was, a, he was a good man. He was a difficult man. 
but I loved him and I miss him. Just that, mm-hmm. just that simple. That can be very hard for people to Well, and something you just said that you write about in your book is understanding yes. that mourning is not a linear process of recovery, but has a process of alternating attention that and of so emotional true. ups and downs. Yeah, that is so true. And, you know, it's interesting because so often people will come in and they'll say, gee, I had a good day yesterday, and I'm thinking, what's the matter with me? Does this mean that I didn't really love him? And, you know, I'll say to people... You have to take those good days when they come because those good days are the way that your body builds up that reserve of strength Mm -hmm. that you need to face the bad days because there will be bad days. You know, there will be good days and bad days. And so when you have a good day, you know, be grateful for it. You know what I'm saying? Because there will be other days when the memories will come up and the feelings will come up and it will be difficult. Now, in your book, Phyllis, Getting Back to Life When Grief Won't Heal, do you tell stories of people whose grief has not healed? I, I do. Well, I, I like to say that I tell stories about people who had a lot of trouble dealing with their grief, healing from their grief, and when you read their stories, it's not hard to understand why they had difficulty. These are people who had difficult relationships or who were very dependent on the person who died or whose loved one died as you know under the kinds of circumstances that you were talking about in the beginning. So these are people who were definitely struggling, but in every case with each with each with each of these people the point that I want to try to make for for my readers is that even under circumstances where loss is really terrible, people do survive and people do go on. And you know that's really I, I think the message that I'm trying to get across in the book is that there are circumstances that make it very difficult to heal from grief, but people do it. And give us an example of those that would be difficult. Well, for example, one of the I worked with a young woman whose sister uh, was manic depressive and jumped out of a window mm. in, 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 in her in the house where my client was living with her and. My client uh, tried to, you know, landed in the driveway, and my client tried to give her, uh, tried to resuscitate her, basically tried to bring her back, and she died. Her sister died. Now, that's a horrible situation to, to see someone who you love die and to try to save them is one of the most terrible ways to see somebody die. die. And when this young woman came to see me, uh, there were, there were, she was dealing with the loss. She was dealing with the trauma. And as a result, you know, she had started drinking. There were a lot of things that were going on in her life as a result of this loss and the way that it happened. So, you know, that would be an example to me of, of a really traumatic loss and a person who was having a lot of trouble because, again, tremendous guilt, uh, mm-hmm. terrible uh, memories of the way the loss occurred. But yeah. by the same token, you know, somebody who comes in after taking care of their mother, uh, you know, in the hospital and having to make decisions, should she have the surgery, shouldn't mm-hmm. she have the surgery, what should I do? When you have to make those kinds of decisions about somebody's medical care, that can also be tremendously stressful. Mm-hmm. And when the person dies, for altogether different reasons, you can be left with a lot of feelings of, I did something wrong. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. those kinds of feelings, whatever the source of those feelings is, it's 
those kinds of feelings that I really talk about as being obstacles to healing. All right. My guest today is Phyllis Kosminski, author of Getting Back to Life When Grief Won't Heal. You are listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america hey dad what i can't get the ketchup bottle open Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. We have a specially pre-recorded program for you today, but you certainly can log on to the website, which is whengriefwon'theal.com. We're talking about when grief won't heal, and particularly over the holidays. My guest today is Phyllis Kosminski. She's the author of Getting Back to Life When Grief Won't Heal. Phyllis Kosminski, Ph.D., is a clinical social worker specializing in grief and loss. Besides her own private practice, she's also served for 10 years on the staff of the Center of Hope, a treatment facility in Connecticut for people dealing with bereavement on or life-threatening illness. Welcome back, Phyllis. Hello again. Okay. Let's move a little bit to the holiday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the holiday time when we're doing this interview. People will hear this on the archive show uh-huh. All year long. Oh, but yeah. holidays are a tough time because they you're really often reminded are. of grief and of, you know, family. They really are a tough 
um, I would say that if there's one thing that I tend to hear this time of year, it's I wish I could put my head in the sand and just bring it up again on January 1st. Mm. A lot of times people who are grieving really more than anything just wish that they could skip over the whole thing. Um, and, you know, it's hard to do, and it's especially hard to do in, you know, in the world we live in because, you know, we're just, you know, we're bombarded with holiday stuff and images of holidays and families. And So what do you advise to your clients during the what holidays? I, what I suggest to my clients, first of all, is that they, you know, because, again, what people want to do is they want to put it out of their minds. They don't really want to think about it, and I suggest that people do just the opposite. I suggest that people do think about it and that specifically they think about what it is that they're really dreading about the holiday. So, for example, you know, if what you're dreading is having to decorate the house and prepare the meal and entertain a lot of people because you just don't have the energy to do that, plan to do something simpler. Think about what it is that you're dreading and do something different. If you're really afraid of being alone during the holidays, plan to be with people who you're comfortable with, who you can relax with. So number one is to think about what it is that you're dreading and make a plan to deal with that. The, the second thing that I say to people, and again, it sounds so simple, but people have a lot of trouble doing it, is go easy on yourself. Mm. You know, give yourself a break. Be gentle with yourself. Slow down and be honest with yourself and others about what you can handle. So, you know, so those, that's the second thing. And then the third thing is ask for help. You know, let people know what they can do to help you because so often people want to help, but they don't know what to do. And if you say to them, you know, I could really use some help getting these cards over to the post office or if you could make a run to the supermarket for me and pick up this stuff, it would really be a big help. So, you know, slow down, take care of yourself and let people know what you need. I would say that's what I try to tell people at this time of year. And what do you say to folks that are going to go into a, a holiday dinner, or Christmas dinner, or New Year dinner, and they're going to be confronted, you know, with a very strong memory? Yes. Should they talk yes. about that memory? I'm, I'm so glad that you asked that question because, I, I again, people's tendency is very often... Uh, this is certainly was true in my family, not to talk about the person who's died because sure. they think that they're going to upset the other people at the table. And what ends up happening so often, Patricia, is that my clients come in after a holiday meal and they say it was really weird. I mean, this happened after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was so weird. Nobody talked about Dad. Nobody talked about Dad because everybody was afraid of upsetting everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's important to bring that person's memory into the room because we can't bring them back, but we can keep them present in the way that we talk about them and the, the, the memories that we share. So, you know, I would say, you, you know, to anybody who's listening to this, you know, bring up the name, tell a story. I guarantee you that afterwards people will come up to you and say, I'm so glad you did that. Do you know what I'm saying? Because, again, everybody's afraid to do it. You know, I lost my mother when I was nine, and I I tell my my clients that it took my father and and myself 35 years to really have a a, a discussion about my mother's death. It wasn't until I really needed to talk to my own children about my mother that he and I talked about her. Do you think people should also write their experiences? I, I 
you know, again, it's, it's a great idea, and in fact, studies have actually shown that writing about painful experiences boosts your immune system. Again, I mean, this body-mind connection, I can't overstate it. The fact is that writing about things that are painful, writing about things that are difficult, has a way of getting them outside of our system, outside of our bodies, and it's a way of making sure that, yes, I am going to remember this experience. I don't have to keep replaying it over and over again in my mind because here it is, it's on paper, it's going to be there, and I can, you know, move on to other things. So definitely writing about your experiences, writing to the person who, who, who you've lost, uh, you know, there are lots of ways in which writing can be a really helpful tool. Right. And, and of course, that's probably easier now for the adults. What do we do with children five, six, seven years old? Well, you know, it's interesting because there's always been a question, do children grieve? And there was a time in our, you know, in the history of psychology when the argument was, well, you know, children don't really grieve, but but they do. They grieve differently, of course, than adults, but they are certainly aware if somebody has died. Number one, they're aware that the adults around them, their, their mother, their father, that people are sad. And I would say that the number one thing, if you're grieving and if you have children, is to be open with your kids. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, no no parent wants to break down weeping in front of their six-year-old, and it would upset them to do that. But at the same time, I think that if you are grieving, if a child is grieving, you need to be able to share your feelings with them so that they will share their feelings with you. Because it doesn't work to say to a child, if you're sad, I want you to tell me about it. If you then turn around and do you see what I'm saying? And I have had children as young as seven say to me, you know, you can talk to me about this, but don't talk to my mommy about it because, you know, I don't want to make her sad. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's really important to let children know that somebody we love has died and it's part of, you know, being a person that when somebody you love dies, you feel sad. And mommy feels sad, and I'm going to feel sad for a while, but I'm going to be okay. I mean, both sides of that message are very important with children. It's important to let children know that it's okay for them to be sad and to express their sadness, and that they're also going to be okay. Do you see what I mean? Do you also think, Phyllis, that people should write down the real positive qualities of the person that they've lost uh, that they can either emulate or copy or yes. think about in that way. I, I like that idea, and it actually you know, goes directly to the idea that one of the ways that we incorporate loss, one of the ways that we adapt when we've lost somebody who we love, is to think about those aspects of the person that remain with us and in us. And so I think that making a list of the person's positive attributes and then reflecting on what that person has given to us through through living, through what that relationship has left us with, the legacy of the relationship, um, if, you, if you see what I'm saying, is, I think, a very positive way of understanding the meaning of that relationship. Yeah, and of how yeah. it's impacted us. And what is given to us as a gift. 
That's exactly it. That's exactly right, because that is lasting. You know, that's something that stays with us always. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, do you give seminars on this topic? Do I give seminars? No, you know, I haven't given seminars on this topic. I have my, you know, my blog and my book, and, um, you know, I, I obviously I do speaking. If people ask me, I, you know, I, I do professional presentations. I haven't done seminars per se. It's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. And if people want to learn more or yeah. get some help with their grief, yes. they log on to WhenGriefWon'tHeal.com. They can go to WhenGriefWon'tHeal.com, and there's contact information for me there. And also I have a, a blog at, uh, at Amazon where my book is available. Uh, there's also you know, a, a way to get in touch with me there. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And... And uh, if they have questions, can they write to you it's through your email? Absolutely. Your... They can write to me through my email, uh, pkosminski at aol.com, and that's, that, that information is also on my website. Right. And they can log on. Again, it's when griefwon'theal.com. That's which right. Which is really the same. It all takes you to book. the same place, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Phyllis more about how to handle grief over the holidays. Holidays celebrated within the first year of losing a loved one are especially difficult. But what about those people who mourn year after year? And the holiday season is an especially difficult time for those dealing with grief following the death of a loved one. As many as 15% of those bereaved continue to suffer through many years and even decades. So we're going to talk more about that with Phyllis as soon as we come back from the break. And remember, Positive Living is on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And it's rebroadcast uh, on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. You're listening to Positive Living, folks. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? 
Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi everyone, we are back. You are listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin. We have a specially pre-recorded program for you today so you won't be calling in. This is the holiday time and we're talking about grief that comes at the holidays and how when we've lost a loved one, it's especially difficult at holidays, particularly if we are mourning year after year. My guest today is Phyllis Kozminski, Ph.D., author of Getting Back to Life, When Grief Won't Heal. Phyllis Kozminski is a clinical social worker specializing in grief and loss. Besides her own private practice, she served for 10 years on the staff of the Center of Hope, a treatment facility in Connecticut for people dealing with bereavement or life-threatening illness. Welcome back, Phyllis. Hello. Talk about folks who lose a spouse or a loved one uh-huh. who are happily married and uh-huh. lose them uh-huh. versus unhappily married and have had difficult relationships. Yeah, well, them, that, that's... Which is easier to deal with? It's interesting because people will often say to me, you know, we didn't even get along that well. I don't understand why I'm so upset. Whereas people who have good marriages are often surprised in a sense that while the grief isn't easy, in some ways their healing seems to proceed. And the the issue here is that if you have a good marriage, a loving marriage, a loving relationship, that love in a sense is a resource for you after the person dies. It's a source of strength and you draw on that source of strength and you also draw on the knowledge that if you've had a loving relationship, that means that you know how to love you're a lovable person, and you're going to be able to find love in one form or another in your life. You're not Mm -hmm. going to be alone. Mm -hmm. But if somebody had a difficult relationship, first of all, they're left with a lot of unmet needs and a lot of disappointment about that relationship, and those feelings can be very hard to get past. So you walk because they're around. not resolved. Is exactly. That what you mean? Exactly. So you're angry, you're frustrated, and it's very hard to let go of those feelings, and those feelings get in the way of grief. Mm. So, Phyllis, so tell us a story of someone you've worked with that was a difficult situation, but you helped them work through it, and uh, it, it it became positive. Sure. One of the women who I, I talk about in the book is a book is a, a woman named Barbara, and like a lot of the women I meet. She described her marriage initially as really just a wonderful marriage, very happy. Her husband took very good care of them, planned wonderful vacations and so on. And yet five years after her husband died, Barbara was angry. She was very angry with her husband, and she couldn't understand why. So in talking to Barbara, what I really wanted to get at was, okay, what am I not hearing about this relationship? What is Barbara not telling me about her, her marriage, and it turned out that there were a lot of uh, parts of the marriage that were difficult, and in particular, Barbara's husband was not good with money, 
and had lost a lot of money, and the family had actually been evicted from their home on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. So here's a situation where, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier about facing the truth, you know, th- what Barbara wasn't facing was the truth that, along with all of his good qualities, her husband also had some serious failings, and mm-hmm. she needed to be able to acknowledge that this was part of who he was, and she needed to be able to acknowledge just how angry she was at him for, for putting them in this position time and time again. Mm-hmm. When she was able to do that and when she was able to say, yeah, you know, he really messed up here, what went along with that was, you know, this idea that I have that he always took care of us is not really so, it's not entirely true. And if it's not true that he always took care of us, maybe it's also not true that I need him to take care of me. Mm-hmm. realizing that he didn't always take care of her actually empowered her to realize that she could take care of herself, if you follow mm-hmm. me, because he wasn't this perfect protector, and she didn't need a perfect protector. That's why she was able to live with him all those years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, letting go of that fantasy of who he was allowed her to acknowledge the anger, let go of the anger, and really feel a lot more confident about her own ability to go on. And, and did this take her a long time, Phyllis? Well, you know, I would say that it probably took about six months to get to the point that I'm describing to you in terms of letting go of this anger. And then, of course, there was more work to do around really, you know, helping her refine the skills that she mm-hmm. needed. To, do you know what I'm saying? All yeah. of the skills that she needed to make a life for herself. But it doesn't take forever. It should not take forever. It, it's interesting because I, I remember I remember talking to some people, and those people have often said that what's very interesting is that many times when you're in a relationship and it ends, mm-hmm. you almost get amnesia, meaning that you you just you mourn the things that you miss, yes. and you almost forget the difficult. You you glide over that. Yeah. Why do we do that? I, I yeah. No, it's true. I guess the feeling of loss that we have just kind of numbs us out to the things that we really didn't like while we were in the relationship. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why when people are counseling people who are, you know, who have lost a relationship, one of the things that they encourage people to do is, you know, remember the whole thing. Don't just remember the, you know, the parts that were good. And above all, don't just remember the things that you did wrong. Remember the things that the other person did wrong. Don't blame yourself. And also thinking about what works in your life now. Absolutely. You know, what, what's working now without yeah, that person? Absolutely. And what strengths do you have? Because, you know, again, I think sometimes I, the woman who I was just talking about, I remember very clearly one day she came in and she said, I'm tired of thinking of myself as just a widow. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want that to be my primary identity anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, there is a point where you get to and you say, yes, you know, I've had this loss, but I'm I'm not just a widow. I'm also a strong, independent woman with skills and talent, and I can live a life, you know, going forward. Mm -hmm. What do you think about alternative therapies such as prayer, meditation, yoga, hypnosis, imagery? Well, I'm a, I'm a, a major fan of, of all of the above, and I talk about really pretty much all of them in my book. 
you know, there's a lot that can be accomplished in therapy, but ultimately what we're really talking about here is building your strength from the inside out. And I think that spirituality and all of the paths to it are a big part of building your strength from the inside out. So I think that um, that all of those are, you know, I think the key is finding something that works for you. And whether it's prayer or meditation or yoga, whatever it is, finding a way to strengthen yourself from the inside out is a big part of yeah. healing. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that you write is in order to heal, you must be able to remember the past and believe in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's yes, where the I mean, hope comes in. Yeah, ex- exactly, because, you know, the thing is that you, you don't want to get stuck in the past, but you also you, you can't ignore it, and you don't want to, you know, be rushing toward the future, and yet at the same time, you know, you want to be moving in that direction. You don't want to push yourself too fast, but you also don't want to, you know, just get stuck in your tracks, if you know what I mean. It's always about balance. It's always about a balance between remembering where you've been and looking ahead to where you're going. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's harder when you've lost a child than when you've lost a spouse? Or well, do you think it's- uh, yeah. I mean, I-, I would say that there's very little disagreement. I don't know anybody who would say that, uh, that losing a child isn't harder wouldn't say that losing a child isn't harder than it's the hardest loss. I think, you know, the bottom line is that it all comes down to the relationship that you have. And certainly if your spouse is the only, you know, is, is everything to you, the only person in your life and, and they die, obviously it's going to be a devastating loss. But the thing about the loss of a child is that it's very much about the loss of the future and all of your hopes and dreams about the future. Mm. Those of, you know, any, the people who have children, you know, we, we, we think that whatever other losses we, we're going to sustain in life, you know, our hope and our expectation is that our children are going to survive us. And when that expectation, you know, isn't met, when, you know, when that's not the case, it is a devastating loss. And it's a loss, really, that persists in a way that most other losses don't. Mm. We, you know, we think about the child, we think about how old he or she would be now, and particularly we think about what else we could, you know, because as parents our role is to protect our children. Right. And so it's also very difficult for that reason because if a child dies, we're bound to There's also an organization called Compassionate Friends. Yes, wonderful organization. I think it's CompassionateFriends.org. Yes, and uh, they really work with this. Absolutely. People who have lost it. And they're people because they're people who've lost a child themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Phyllis Kosminski. She's the author of Getting Back to Life When Grief Won't Heal. Phyllis Kosminski is a clinical social worker specializing in grief and loss. And you can log on to her website at whengriefwon'theal.com. We're listening to a specially pre-recorded uh, t- uh, today a show of Positive Living. And I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. We have a specially pre-recorded program for you today, so you won't be calling in. My guest is Phyllis Kosminski, and her book is Getting Back to Life When Grief Won't Heal. Phyllis Kosminski is a clinical social worker specializing in grief and loss. Besides her own private practice, she served for 10 years on the staff of the Center of Hope, a treatment facility in Connecticut for people dealing with bereavement or life-threatening illness. Welcome back, Phyllis. Thank you. Okay. Um, I want to talk more about the holidays because that's that's the season we're in. Sure. And I want you to talk to people who feel stuck in the grieving process. They just feel stuck. They feel like they can't move on. Yeah. And the... The, the record is in on it broken on the groove, and it's recording over and over and over the right. same words. Right. Yeah, you know, I I think that I, I was thinking during the break too. You know, there there are the people who are stuck, and then there are the people who know the people who are stuck. And I think that they also around this time of year can feel very frustrated. In other words, the daughter of somebody, for example, whose mother just doesn't seem to be getting better. And what do you say to people who you know and love? who don't seem to be getting better. You know, I think that, first of all, if you've been grieving for years and years and you have not gotten any kind of help, you know, I I think at a certain point 
it's time to say, okay, this, this doesn't seem to be getting better. If I had a medical condition that didn't seem to be getting better, I would get help with it. I would ask somebody, okay, what's the problem here? What, what, why right. am I not healing? And I think that sometimes we don't really want to deal with emotional hurts in the same way. But the That's a very is, good point. Yeah. It's a very good point. Yeah. Physically, we run to the doctor, and emotionally, we, we almost white-knuckle it in a sense. That's exactly it. And, you know, and so, and I've seen that again and again. And so I would say the first thing is, you know, if that's what's happening, you know, give yourself a break. You know, get, get some help. You know, ask somebody, you know, ask for, ask for help. If you need help, ask for it. And, you know, the other part of that, too, is that, again, you know, commit to being gentle with yourself and to taking care of yourself mm-hmm. because, you know, if you're, if for example, say you're a grandmother and your husband, you know, died, you can't be fully available to your children, to your grandchildren. Do you know what I'm saying? If so much of your energy is going into mm-hmm. grief. So you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the people who, who you love who are still in your life to, to find out what it is that's keeping you in that place and, you know, to, to really begin your healing so that you can live your life again and share it with the people who love you. All right, so let me ask you this. When someone comes to you and you have a session with them, yeah. how do you help them? Do well, you... yeah, I, you know, it's amazing, I think, we, we don't really always appreciate, Patricia, the power of listening to people. Because I think that I, I talk to people every day who have never really been able to talk about the way they feel about the person who died and the way that they died. And so the first thing that I do when, I, when I'm with somebody is I listen to them. I listen to their story. I listen to whatever it is that they need to express. And, you know, just that the act of listening is, is tremendously powerful. And then I try to help them identify what it is that's, frightening them or worrying them or, you know, what it is that they're feeling guilty about. In other words, what are the feelings that are obstructing their healing? And then we, we start working on those feelings and working on those fears. So it really begins by listening, and then it really proceeds by helping someone feel that the path that they're on is not a path that they have to walk alone, mm-hmm. that, you know, that I will walk that path with them and that together we'll figure out what's keeping them stuck. Mm-hmm. And also that, um, that they can really share from their heart. And many times we don't get to do that on our own. Well, that's our head very, takes over. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. And, you know, and so many people who I meet, especially... You know, in the area where I work geographically, New York, New Jersey, you know, Connecticut. I mean, these are people who are used to, as you say, white knuckling it through emotional sure. crises. Everything is about multitasking and getting the job done, and you know, and everything is about the head. And I really try to encourage people not just to think about their grief, but to feel it. You know, to allow whatever feelings are in their body to really. Come to don't, don't you think that's why we have so much illness? I, I really do. I, I really do. I, you know, we're harboring that, all of this in our Yeah, body. we carry stuff around and the we pain. try to think ourselves out of it. And yeah. you can't always think your way out of that kind of emotional distress. You have to let yourself feel it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very important. What 
would you say, basically, Phyllis, is your message for listeners? If people get really one thing out of this program, what would you say is your message? Yeah, I would say that my message is that people can can get stuck in, in grief and that dealing with the loss of a loved one is always hard, but sometimes a loss is so difficult that a person can't go through it on their own and that they may need some help in doing that, but that help is available and people can recover from even the most painful kinds of loss. And, and the idea from what you're saying is you must get it out of being harbored in your mind and body. It's exactly. got to get released somewhere. Exactly. You have, to, you have to accept the truth of your feelings, recognize those feelings, acknowledge those feelings, and then find whatever help you need to be able to ultimately let the, some of those feelings go, to hold on to what is life-affirming and to let go of what you don't need. And to be able to, as you said, really get in touch with what worked in the relationship and what didn't, and be honest about it. Exactly. Because, you know, as, you, as we were saying before, you know, the truth is that every relationship leaves some kind of a legacy. And you want to be able to focus certainly on the positive parts of that legacy, what it is that you've learned, what it is that you've been left with. And you also have to recognize the, the difficult parts of the legacy and, and what that's left you with and what you've learned from that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And if people want to get in touch with you? If people want to get in touch with me, I would encourage them to go to my website, whengriefwon'theal.com. They can also go to Amazon.com. I have a, a blog there, and there's contact information for, for me in both places. At whengriefwon'theal.com, there's contact information for me in Connecticut, and they can write to me. Uh, my email address is there, and I'm happy to answer any questions that people may have. I really appreciate you being on the program. Well, it's, it's really it's my pleasure. Thank you. Stay on the line. Thank you. Sure. My guest today has been Phyllis Kosminski, and her book is Getting Back to Life When Grief Won't Heal. And we've been talking about how to handle grief, and particularly over the holiday period. And you can log on to her website, which is whengriefwon'theal.com. Phyllis, before I announce next week's guest, give us one quick tip for the holidays for handling grief. (laughs) Slow down, take care of yourself, and ask for what you need. Very good. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Next week's guest is also a pre-recorded program because it falls on December 31st, and this show falls on uh, Christmas Eve. So we have our holiday shows. My show next week that I pre-recorded already is a wonderful show. My guest is Eileen Gittens. She's founder, president, and CEO of Blurb.com, which is promising to be the YouTube of publishing. She will discuss how this Internet company has created an innovative way for anyone to write, edit, design, print, and sell their own book. And this company does it all for you, and you can self-publish and have just a beautiful book. Remember, folks, as I always say at the end of each program, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a wonderful holiday.
You've been listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com and tune in.